Welcome to AAPI Narrative. I'm Ni. I'm Rachel. And I'm Z. And this is the podcast for the modern day global Asian perspective. Hey everyone, this is Z. Welcome back to another episode on AAPI Narrative, where we capture the lived experiences of the Asian and Pacific Islander community around the world. Today, we will dive into our relationship series, where we'll be sharing our different perspectives and experiences on all things romance. Our guest today is a dog lover, nurse, and close friend. Please welcome Bianca. Bianca, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. Like me said, my name is Bianca. I just became a dog mom. I rescued this eight-month-old beagle. I am Filipino-American. I was born in the Philippines, and I came here when I was six. I am super excited to talk to you guys about relationships and just being on the podcast. So exciting. Welcome, Bianca. It is a pleasure to have you here. In this session, we wanted to talk a little bit more about how you maintain a healthy work romantic life balance. We recognize that it's definitely not easy, one, being a nurse, let alone during a pandemic. For all our listeners out there, Bianca has been in a long-term relationship for over five years now. Of course, like many of you, seeing loved ones and dating can look quite different these days. Bianca, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship and how dating has changed for you from the beginning of Shelter in Place till now? So Ken and I, we dated yeah, for a little over five years. I'm losing count. I feel like after a certain amount of time, you're just like, how many years has it been? So we met in college, but not at school. We met at a job. So we started out as co-workers and friends and then moved on to dating because it's been so long. And then having the shelter in place thrown in, it's changed a certain part of our relationship. We feel like we're the better. Ken and I had a conversation about this recently. We were saying how, because I moved to Chino, I used to live in the OC. Now I moved a whole hour away from him. It's been a lot harder in the beginning of shelter in place, we really didn't see each other. I think we went over a month and a half or so without seeing each other. And when I work as a nurse, I work 12 hour shifts. I really don't talk to him throughout the day. And then the only time that I talk to him is coming home from work because then I have that drive. During the whole shelter in place, we really worked on communicating, trying to keep things interesting, especially when you're not doing anything at home. So you're like, what do we talk about? We delved into our own hobbies. I got into yoga. So he was excited about me doing yoga. He was trying to build his home gym. It was just like little hobbies that we were just trying to hype each other up on. I love that you touched on these different aspects, being in shelter in place and moving further from your significant other. It's kind of like having a long distance relationship without being physically distance like too too far similarly to you i had a long distance relationship as well when my boyfriend moved up to san francisco and i was still in southern california so i really love that you know you and your boyfriend ken worked on your communication skills and really delved into your own hobbies and really built yourselves up as individuals to then be able to come together and connect on a deeper level after having built yourselves up mm-hmm. 
And especially when you were talking about how like you guys do your own thing, because like when you're a nurse and you're always working and on your shift and he's living in OC. So you guys are like very individual, but at the same time, you guys are growing together. That's so lovely. So Mm -hmm. you're not needy. (laughs) (laughs) I think in the beginning of the relationship, like year one, oh my gosh, so needy being in college, always seeing each other. Mm-hmm. It took graduating from college and not seeing each other all the time at school to kind of be like, okay, where are we as our own individual? Mm-hmm. Also coming off the honeymoon stage. Like you said, everyone in the beginning of the relationship, they're extra needy, extra romantic. Mm-hmm. And then when all that dies down, oh, so how do we support each other individually, but at the same time together? Right. Do you have any other advice for those in similar situations that are struggling to stay connected during this time? I feel like communication is the number one thing because sometimes even just being one hour away and not being able to see each other so frequently would really count as a long distance relationship. I think really just to try to find something that you guys like doing together that's new. And that's different from your team. Like try to break it up. The times that you guys do get to spend time with each other. So Ken and I actually started exploring cooking. I'm not much of a cooker, but Ken likes to cook. He always meal preps at home. So now we're, you know, with Peter from (laughs) your guys' last podcast. We've been following his recipes. So we actually tried three of his recipes. We're exploring that cooking and that's, been like where our fun has been nowadays that sounds that you do get to see your significant other try something new and it really adds some excitement to seeing each other again I actually am the same way as you I follow Peter so I pick out his recipe and like on every Friday night or Saturday my boyfriend and I would like pick something and we would just go to the grocery store and start following his recipe because they're so simple And they turn out so good. Yeah, it makes me look like a top chef, but I just didn't do anything but follow his like three steps. Dude, I can totally vouch since I live with Z. She does cook more of his recipes and other people's recipes. I don't really try. Um, I know Bianca gave me a cookbook. I am so sorry. There are too many instructions, but I totally agree. Finding a common interest or something new to touch back on definitely is important in a relationship. And as some of our listeners know, Z, Rachel, and myself, we're all in a long-term relationship. So like Bianca, Rachel, Z, have you all tried something new with your boyfriend? Something different that I've started to do is actually play more video games. And I know that's going to sound really nerdy, but my boyfriend, Nick, is like really, really into video games. I used to not play video games as much and I still don't, but Nick and I have found like a middle ground on where our hobbies kind of intersect. So for me, when I play video games, I like the aspects of having someone to communicate with and like being able to bounce ideas off of. For him, it's the strategy piece. And so we found games that we can kind of do together, one of them being Zelda And it's basically one big problem solving games. When we play together, one person will man the controls and then the other person will like direct them and say, hey, like, what about this? Try this. But another thing that we like to do is disc golf. Basically, it's like you get a Frisbee. It's similar to golf. There's like a target that you hit. And so you have to just continue to throw it until you hit that target. So doing a little more like outdoorsy stuff, plus being able to do things that we can do at home. Yeah. Z, what about you? 
So before the pandemic, we love going out. Like you will find us at a bar every Friday. <laughs> But because of the pandemic, we can't really go out. And then I was actually living at his place for a good three months in the beginning during like shelter in place. He started building his home gym. So I've been working out with him and he's showing me his workout regimen. So I've been doing that. And then another thing is I actually been picking up on taking pictures of my food. I know I'm one of those annoying people. Yeah. <laughs> So before I eat, I mean, you know, all my friends, they have to let me take a picture first. And he's been my hand models and he actually doesn't mind. So we've been doing that as a little side hobby. Like we go out and just like pick up food and try new places. And then we take pictures of it. And he helps me like set it up aesthetically. Another thing that we want to try out because I got him electric scooter. He wants to get me a bike. So we want to start like biking and scooter around. So that's what we've been doing to keep busy. I love that both of you guys are exploring different things with your significant other. And I love Z that you have a, such a supportive boyfriend to even hand model. <laughs> I know, know, seriously. <laughs> that is really cute. Yeah, sometimes I feel like he enjoys it more than me, to be honest, because like he always reminds me, are you going to take a picture of this? I'm like, oh, yeah, I should. <laughs> For Joseph and I, I think, honestly, watching korean drama so like we watched startup we watched crash landing on you i know you and ken and the rest of our crew here have all seen it we just loved crash landing on you and then he watched itaewon class and he loved it i personally don't bianca i'm with you i know you're shaking your head i get it mm-mm I know, Rachel, you're watching Startup. Honestly, so, so good. I don't know if it's a popular opinion, but I think Startup is way better than Crash Landing, and Crash Landing is good. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I don't even know Startup. I think ever since I got Lockie, my dog, I've fallen out from Korean drama, which is a good and a bad thing because it keeps me off the screen. But I, I've never heard of this Startup. But it's better than Koi. I have to watch it. Girl, you have to watch it. <laughs> But yeah, that's definitely what I've been doing with Joseph. So it's like a hit or miss for some dramas for him, but he'll like watch it till the very end. Yeah, Ken and I also, that was one of the new hobbies that we explored together was Korean dramas. It was his idea to start watching Korean dramas. And I used to love Asian dramas. I used to watch them as a kid. I stopped watching them because they would be so emotionally draining for me because I would just get so invested and I cry and I, I obsess over it. it. Makes it so hard for me to move on to the next one because I'm like grieving. I was like, okay, you're really going to open this box for me? I was like, okay, fine. So we started with Chloe. And oh my gosh, it was so amazing. I couldn't move on. I do that too. Like if there's something sad and I watched it throughout the day, I'm sad the whole day. And I'll be like, don't talk to me. Like the main actors and actors are not together anymore. Yo, yo, yo. But for all our Chloe lovers here and our listeners who were also on that journey with us, the main couple, they're together. Plot twist. So it worked out even off screen. I love that we're talking about Korean dramas or not just Korean dramas, right? But like Asian dramas and how like we're, we're projecting on their love story. Like, I feel for you so much. And, you know, our podcast dives like deeper into the stories and experiences within the Asian community. So I wanted to ask you, Bianca, how has your culture influenced your views on relationship, dating, and love outside of K-dramas and Asian dramas? <laughs> well, actually, just 
to touch base on the K-dramas and Asian dramas, I feel like they also help shape the way I view relationships because growing up, I would watch them. So it made me into like a very hopeless romantic until I grew up and experienced like, oh, relationships are not like this in real life. <laughs> but since I'm Filipino, I come from a pretty conservative family where when I was in high school, I had a boyfriend, they found out and my mom literally was like, better break up with him. I'm going to call the police on you guys. And I woke up to that. So needless to say, I wasn't supposed to have a boyfriend until I was like 30 and done with school. I don't know. I think just growing up with like a pretty conservative family, my mom wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend or even talk to boys her whole life. So it kind of was passed on to me and my sisters. I have two older sisters. Since my mom was so conservative and we're like such a tight knit family, a lot of her views was really kind of forced upon us. And that made me want to rebel, which is why I got the boyfriend when I was 16. I feel like being Filipino, they have this expectation from whoever you're going to date. Like they have to be good looking. I don't know why. Like that's a requirement. Like they have to be good looking in their eyes. They have to be nice and respectful. Family oriented is a plus. Ken is Filipino as well. So them being able to understand our language and understand our own cultural expectations really helped a lot with my family liking him. I totally resonate with you on that. Family is a huge thing for me as well. And being able to have someone that your family approves of was like a really big thing for me. And maybe one of the reasons why I was like hesitant to share my relationship in the beginning, because I was like, oh, you know, what if they don't approve? And then I'm going to get into this like big argument with them. And then you have this two clashing forces of two very important groups in your life. They were like, no boyfriends until college. And when they went to my college graduation. Nick and I were already dating at that time, but I hadn't explicitly told my parents or my aunts yet, but they had guessed because they were just like, who's this kid following you around? Why is he always following you around for like these graduation photos? So Bianca, I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on being in a relationship with someone who shares a similar racial identity to you or, and cultural background? Ken is actually the only Filipino that I've dated. I think it's a lot easier. Ken being able to understand Tagalog makes it so much easier for my family to communicate with him. And because my family is so conservative, he's able to understand more where they're coming from. Where like, for example, even though being together for more than five years, he's still not allowed to sleep in my room. And we just started having him be allowed to go upstairs even. But now he's allowed upstairs in the loft. Him having that, you know, Filipino culture, and he knows that, hey, Filipino parents can be very strict, and um, you have to respect them, otherwise they will not approve of you. If he wasn't Filipino, he didn't understand that, we would butt heads. And like you said, Rachel, it would be like a conflict between you and then the family, and you're kind of stuck in the middle of two very important groups of people. Yeah, there's that unspoken communication with having a similar like racial identity or cultural background. Speaking the same language is very important with between the families. My boyfriend, he's Bangladeshi, so he speaks Bangla. So he doesn't speak any Cantonese. Our culture is very different. Our religion is very different too. I actually introduced him to my mom last year around Chinese New Year. 
my mom is very similar to yours, Bianca. Like she's very conservative. And actually she mentioned a couple of times when I was younger that she would prefer that I be with someone that is the same ethnicity because she said I wanted to like communicate with them. So I actually had that thought always behind my head, like, oh no, like I don't think my mom's gonna like him. But that's not really gonna matter to me, but it will affect me that my mom's not gonna like him. But surprisingly, when my mom met him, she actually loves Aaron. Like every time when I tell her that I'm going out and then I says, oh, I'm going out with Aaron. She's like, okay, bye. But before she always asked a lot of questions like who are you going with? What time are you coming back? But I think she like completely trusts Aaron. Language is still a little bit like a problem with them. So my mom and I like had a conversation. I asked her, oh, what do you think about him? Because he is such a chill guy and so respectful and well-mannered. She doesn't really have any second thoughts about him not being Chinese. She actually said, it's fine. We can use Google Translate and sign language. So she was so accepting. Her main concern is that he's respectful towards me, towards her and everyone else. So it's all good in the neighborhood. <laughs> I love that, V, that your mom is so willing to accept your boyfriend, Aaron, despite you guys being different cultures. And I feel like at the end of the day, like my mom, she would tell me like, it doesn't matter who you date, as long as they're a good person, and that they treat you well. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. Because it it is a convenient, they're being the same culture. But what good is it being the same culture if this person is like trash, you know, and treating your child like trash. How do you think like your views of dating different from your family? Like you already kind of touched upon about your mom is a little conservative and you grew up in America. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Oh my gosh, I think I could go on about this. (laughs) I actually just had a conversation with my mom and my family about this. I was telling me a couple days ago, but because Ken and I have been together for so long, topic of marriage is up in the air. So I recently got a house with my family. My name is on the house title and the loan. So I invested in this house and the mortgage. So adding on the topic of marriage with Ken, it's like, where are we going to live? So Ken and I talked about, oh, are we going to move out or are we going to like be living in your house? One thing that my view differs from my family is being able to move out with your significant other before marriage and with me I'm okay with moving out because I think that that's one way that you guys can spend time and get to know each other on a different level but my family is very against it they're like moving out is reserved for after marriage period that's what it is no budging no changing their views And that's just one of the things that me and my family butt heads on. We got into trouble a lot in the beginning of our relationship because we weren't supposed to travel. Because that's also, according to my mom, one thing that's reserved for couples who are married. For my family, it doesn't look good that a couple who's not married and we're young, we're only in our 20s, are traveling the world together. You're not supposed to sleep in the same bed together, let alone go to like a whole nother country together. But I think Ken and I really just rebelled. So we just kept pushing it. And now my family is completely okay. They actually prefer me to travel with Ken because they know he's like my safety blanket. So that they were able to finally be okay with it. But I know the whole marriage thing and moving out thing is they are not gonna be okay with it. 
trying to compromise between my views, Ken's views, and then my family's views. And I feel like that's what makes it hard when you have conflicting views with your family. And then also when your significant other has like conflicting views with your family. First off, congratulations on being a homeowner. <laughs> that's you. a big, big step. And I'm sure you're rocking every single moment of it. So I actually resonate a lot with what you were just saying. My mom actually is not okay with me moving in with Aaron until marriage. Like she made it a strict point that I cannot do it. And along with that, Aaron's parents at the same time, because they're Muslims. So they're definitely not okay with us moving in together. So we kind of like accepted the fact that we probably won't live together until after marriage. And another thing is the traveling part. There's a funny story. I already told me and Rachel, we went to Asia and my mom FaceTimed me and she was like, oh, show me like a room hotel tour. And I was like showing her, but that room has a, a bunk bed. When I like moved it to the bunk bed and she said, oh yes, bunk bed. I like, I like you sleep on the top. He sleeps on the bottom. I love this. Aaron heard it too. And we like, oh, does she think that we sleep separately? I'm like, yeah, let's just let her think that. So peace of mind for her. I resonate with all of that and more. I was talking to my aunt recently. So I was there on like a Friday night and we were just hanging out, we were having dinner. And then my aunt was like, oh, like what's Nick doing? And I was like, oh, he's just, you know, hanging out at home or like hanging out with his family or anything like that. She was like, oh, like that's so weird. And I was like, why is that weird? She had mentioned when she was growing up, Friday nights were always reserved for couple things. If you were hanging out with other people on a Friday night, that meant that there was like something wrong with your relationship. For me, having different hobbies or being able to then come together and talk about your hobbies, I felt like it was important. And so if that meant on one Friday night or like over a weekend or something, he wanted to go do something else with his friends or spend time alone, I'm okay with that. That actually reminds me, but my mom also has a similar view where she's like, oh, Ken's spending time with his friends? How come he's not spending time with you? And in her mind, does he prioritize his friends over you and I'm like no mom like we need to have space we need to have our own lives like it's not always about us where back in the day like what your aunt was saying back in my mom's days it's like my dad and her because they got married at 20 always together and if there's like anybody else other than family it then it gets viewed as oh you're less prioritized and so for her, it just looks bad. And I'm over here trying to explain to her, like, no, this is like the good thing. Like, this is like a healthy thing. It's not like a bad thing that he's with his friend. Um, how about you, Ni? I know that your mom and you have very different views because your mom is also very conservative. Yeah, my mom and dad in particular, they have different views and ways they engage on the topic of dating. In particular, my dad doesn't really engage in the conversation of dating at all. He's like, do whatever you do. I know you got it. Particularly because he came here when he was 14, I want to say. And so he has different exposures to what dating looks like in the United States or with youth culture. My mom is quite conservative as well. And so she does share a lot of values and similar thoughts as many of your parents or aunts and uncles. And so growing up, my opinions about dating is a little different from my mom in a sense where 
right now in particular, because I've been in a relationship for seven to eight years, the conversation of marriage, like Bianca has mentioned, is coming up a lot more. So it's like, why aren't you having conversations or having a general plan on what your future will look like? Are you planning to get engaged? When are you planning to get engaged? When are you planning to get married? And so we're hearing that on both ends, not only within our family, but within our social circles. And I think Bianca can attest to that. So a lot of the conversations of like, wow, you've been in a long-term relationship. So when are you going to get married? And of course, that's not, not in the picture, not thinking about it. I don't want to feel restricted to this is a set time that I need to hit and I need to be engaged by this age. And so that's one of the biggest difference. I don't want that pressure from our family to push us in a direction when we might not be ready for that. Joseph and I also share the same culture and identity. And so we understand when our family says certain things or when they project their expectations onto us. And so it makes a lot easier to navigate those kind of discussions or when it comes up. When I was younger, it was very easy for me to get into arguments. Like, why are you telling me to do this? Why do you expect me to do that? Why do you keep projecting your opinions when it's my relationship or my life? Now that I'm still in my mid-20s, I'm better able to navigate those conversations when they do come up and choose when to engage in them. So even if I don't agree with something that my mom is saying, I'm not going to get aggressive with her because I recognize that's how she was raised. Culturally, these are things that she expects. So really stepping back on my end and listening in on why she believes something. She doesn't believe in moving in when you're not married or just hanging out too often if you're not married, right? So it's a big question mark, like, so what's happening? Even if she has these expectations, really at the end of the day, communicating and meeting in the middle, like Rachel said, you can't change what your family's going to think, but it's important, especially if you care about your family and your significant other, to not disregard both of their opinions and thoughts and views and your own, but really to find that middle ground. How can we work together so that it makes sense for all of us. Yeah, I, I love that knee. As long as the end product is that you are in a happy, healthy relationship, that's all that matters. I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone's family because everyone's family will look way different. With my own experience, my family's intentions aren't to hurt me or to make me angry. It's because they care about me. And so they say th certain things because they want to make sure that our relationship is healthy and it's going somewhere and that they don't have to worry about it. And so marriage equals security. And so if there's no marriage, at least in my mom's eye, then it's like, what's going on? Are you wasting your time? How's this helpful to your long-term life? I think the intention behind what someone is saying is really important. So listening in, but also being able to step away when you feel like you're not able to have a conversation and then come back again. But with that being said, we talked a little bit about our different cultural expectations with our family, as well as our own and how we navigate it. What are your thoughts, Bianca, on dating 
at an early age? I touched on it a little bit before that I dated in high school. Since I grew up a hopeless romantic, I always had this fantasy and I was always boy crazy from the very beginning since I was like six. I remember I had so many childhood crushes. So dating early when I was a teenager was such a dream. I didn't even have my first boyfriend until 16. And I know a lot of other people had their relationships like even as young as 12. But for me, I feel like dating around 16 is good because it gives you some time to explore. It's like that puppy high school love, which I think is so cute now that I'm 26 and I look back on it and I watch so many movies like to all the boys that I've loved before. I love watching movies like that because it just brings back all those high school feelings and it's just so different being within that age. But I definitely think dating at a young age can also be a little bit detrimental depending on how the relationship goes because you're so young. And I feel like at that age, or at least when I was that age, I just fell hard so fast and I didn't know how to manage my emotions. I didn't know what was healthy, what was not. Like I was very needy like in, my, in my high school relationship. I was so clingy. I actually had like jealousy issues within my own relationship because I dated so early. I got to learn from that. And I took those lessons and brought it to my relationship with Ken now where I'm able to reflect because we both dated when we were in high school, we were able to take the lessons that we learned from both of our relationships and help our relationship now, whether it's communication, whether it's giving ourselves space and giving our partner space, definitely pros to dating early. I, I don't think you should date too early, though. I feel like that <laughs> dating at 12, I, I don't know. That, that's really young for me because my niece is 12 and I can't imagine her dating this young. I'm also very protective. But don't take it too seriously is what I would tell or your guys' young listeners. Be safe. And then just know that if the relationship doesn't end up the way you want it to end up, like it's not the end of the world. I remember my breakup, I thought, because it was my first one, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to love again. So my heart was shattered to pieces. And, you know, you just learn to pick yourself up and move on. And then you end up a stronger woman or man after that. I totally agree with you. You really need to experience dating life when you're younger too, because it's very different compared to like when you're dating, when you're 18 years old versus like when you're late twenties and um, like you, when you have your first breakup, it feels like the end of the world. I remember I was talking about it almost for one month and that relationship was only two weeks. I'm like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> but you do learn from things that happen in your past relationship and you bring it to your current one and you want to make it healthier and better. So you're like, okay, this is something you did and that was not okay. And one of them I did was like jealousy too. So now like you, I know to be like a better girlfriend because of my previous relationships. I feel like when you're younger, it's more about trial and error versus solutions. But I think media portrays it as relationships that you have so young are going to be kind of like your end all be all. When you look back, I was only like 16, 17, 18. Girl, I had my whole world ahead of me. But when you're that young, not even thinking about relationship, but just thinking about life, you're like, wow, 28, that's so old. You're an adult. You got your shit figured out. You are living life. And then 
here I am at 26 and I'm like, oh my God, 28. I'm like, wow, I'm still young. I'm still in my mid twenties. Let's go. (laughs) Your perspective changes over time. And at that young age, your world is still very limited. Your views and perspectives haven't had time to shape and take form because your exposure is still very limited. For me, especially with a family that didn't approve of having relationships, there was no discussion around it. And so without having that discussion and foundation, it was kind of trial and error for me. So it was a little tougher. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. To Rachel's comment, legit having a conversation and having someone, whether it's a family member or whether it's friends to bounce back your feelings or thoughts on how you're dealing or experiencing your first relationship, whatever age that is, is so important because especially with my experience starting a relationship at 14, that was my first relationship. I think it was so difficult because I I was so private about my relationship life with my friends and my family that it was really challenging. And I wish I had that ability to have a conversation, being more open about that experience because I wasn't alone, right? There were so many other people who had their first relationship in high school or at 14 or 15. And totally agree. I think experiencing, having relationships, whatever age, just experiencing is important because you learn through those experiences, even if it doesn't last. And so I learned in my first relationship that having your own life is so important and not projecting your whole entire life into one person. I was super heartbroken. Why is this person ghosting me? (laughs) And then realizing later on, I should not rely on one person to be emotionally happy. Mind you that I was 14, so very impressionable at that age. But it was through that first relationship that I realized that having my own independence is so important. And same with that other person. We can have that relationship and those experiences together, but having our separate identities away from each other is that much more important as well. With that being said, we talked a lot about different relationships and all aspects of it, but we could go on for days (laughs) about it. But we just wanted to ask... Bianca, do you have any advice on how to maintain a healthy and long-term relationship based on your own experience? I think the main advice, and I'm pretty sure all of you guys would agree with this, is communication, communication, communication. Throughout our five years of being together, we've definitely worked on our relationship with communication being the strongest aspect where he communicates one way and I communicate a different way like for example when we're arguing Ken likes to not talk about it right away and I'm the type that's like we need to talk about this we need to solve this issue like right now and if you ignore me I'm like a ticking time bomb that's like all jittery like oh my god what is he doing what is he thinking and Ken's like no I need space I need to you know work out my thoughts and then we'll come together later in the beginning, that was really hard for me to get used to. And crazy me, I'm like blowing up his phone, like, hello, you're ignoring me. I like, are you this mad? Like, can you please talk to me? We need to resolve this issue. Just because that's the type of person that I am. So over time, now I've learned 
hey, he needs his space. In the heat of the moment during arguments, like it's also not good with all those emotions and anger or sadness, whatever it is that you guys are feeling. It's just very heightened. So it is very good to take some time, whether it's like a few minutes, a few hours, even a few days, depending on the issue, to be able to come back to it after you guys have settled down. And I feel like that's the main advice that I could give everyone in order to maintain a healthy and long-term relationship. And that's like something that we haven't reached. Like it's something that we're always trying and learning every single day. Because I feel like you can always have improvement in your relationship. Like I feel like with relationships, you never hit like a, all right, well, this is the end of our learning. In tandem, Bianca, with your advice about communication, vulnerability is something that comes up for me, whether that's being vulnerable with your partner or to be vulnerable with yourself and your own emotions. When dealing with an issue, I either like to talk about it right away just to make sure nothing festers, or sometimes I like to keep things to myself and think about it a little bit. I'm a very emotional person, so when I talk, I'm just like firing off words. And so having that time to kind of step back and just say, okay, what am I actually thinking right now? What do I truly feel? That's where that vulnerability piece comes in, because growing up, it was really hard for me to talk about my emotions and like why I felt a certain way. I would be very like curt with people. And so now being vulnerable is very hard, even with just myself, like thinking about my thoughts, why am I actually feeling this way? I'm like, I don't even want to go there sometimes, let alone tell somebody else, whether it's my significant other or my friends, why I'm actually feeling the way I'm feeling, because it's even hard to admit it to myself. I think that's like my main advice in tandem with communication is that being vulnerable and being understanding of your emotions is very key. I agree being vulnerable goes in tandem with communication. One thing that Ken and I started like a few years ago where we started self-reflecting and then reflecting on our relationship. But in terms of like how we were as a person, it took us being vulnerable with ourselves and being able to confide in our partner. Like, hey, this is how I grew up and these are the reasons why I'm this way. And the same way with him, like, oh, my parents taught me this way. And or this is how my childhood was. So this is the reason why I'm X, Y, and Z. And it goes hand in hand with communication, because you get to understand why that person is the way that they are on a deeper level. So I'm still learning as we go. But I realized that I did in my past relationship that I'm changing it now on my new relationship is the comfort. I was in a four year relationship before. And I always had this thing that if you pass the four-year mark, you will be together forever. But my previous relationship, we got really comfortable with each other. It just feels like I'm in it as a chore. Like I'm just there because we're comfortable and we don't want to leave the relationship because it's just hard because we're so used to each other. So for this relationship, I want to make a point to Aaron, like way before in the beginning that we need to keep the spark going. So once a month, we come up with date nights. It doesn't have to be something fancy. It's just something very simple. Like fondue at home or something just like movie night. I feel like that's a really good point to make is trying to add more spice and trying out different things. So even if it's like a little bit of effort once a month or during special holidays, like your anniversary, birthday or Valentine's Day, having something where you guys can both look forward to that way it doesn't get boring. Yeah, exactly. How about you, Ni? What is your piece of advice with your seven-year relationship? (laughs) By the time you all spoke, (laughs) 
I basically was going to touch on every single thing that every single person here has said. So completely agree with being transparent, being open to trying new things. As you get deeper into your relationship, it is very easy to feel comfortable and being comfortable is okay because now you've gone into that stage in life where you're able to talk about different things or you're able to sit in silence and that's really great. One thing that even in this stage in our relationship is for me, we're constantly trying to understand that both our love languages are different. And so likewise, I also communicate when I'm really upset or when I have something in mind. And so I want to communicate that immediately. But on the other hand, Joseph doesn't like doing that right away. He wants to process things and think about things and then have a conversation about it. I need to be willing to step back when he's not willing to talk about it first and give him that space so that we can have a genuine conversation about what are some of the things that we need to do moving forward so that we can grow together in the relationship. And in other ways, my biggest advice is in a relationship, a really important value that I've continued to carry into the relationship is valuing my partner, valuing Joseph's interests and what he wants in his professional or personal life. So whatever that looks like for him, I want to be open and encouraging in his endeavors, even if it doesn't align or looks exactly the same with mine. Because if it was the same as my own interest, he's not going to be that interesting. Or I mean, I think my things are interesting, but you know, it's good to have our own individual interests and really being able to say, hey, I'm your right hand person and I'm going to be there to cheer you on. And we're going to continue to grow together as a couple, but also as individuals in our mid-20s, navigating the professional world, personal life and whatever. Couldn't have said that any better, Nee. Always be the number one cheerleader in your significant other's life. Thank you for tuning in to AAPI Narrative. We'll be back next Wednesday for a new episode. In the meantime, head over to our IG page at AAPI Narrative to let us know what you think about our episode. Leave us a review and follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss a beat. See ya!